This episode of Australian Gothic was recorded on the unceded lands of the Ngunnawal, Ngambri and Kwandamuka people. Content warning for unnecessary deaths and climate change. Welcome to another episode of Australian Gothic. It is 10am on a Saturday morning and you, along with 500 desperate people lined up around the block, are inspecting a rental property in the inner city suburbs of a major Australian city. The flat is priced at a mere 75% of your income, which is honestly quite reasonable for this area. <laughs> you eventually reach the front of the line and are greeted by two real estate agents in ma matching blue suits, both holding clipboards. Their eyes are bright but empty, and their smiles show that they have far, far too many sharp white teeth for a normal human mouth. It's Jules and Lucas. Hi. 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 <laughs> Hi. Come inside. You take an application form and step inside the flat. The carpet is stained but only smells faintly of piss, which is an improvement on the stairwell. The kitchen cupboards are made of chipboard, swollen and disintegrating from damage from the leaking tap. There is no other storage space anywhere else in the flat. Shit. The kitchen's had a fresh coat of paint, says Jules, pointing at a large cockroach that has been immortalised <laughs> in glossy off-white paint like Han Solo in Carbonite. The window openers have also, and window frames have also just been painted. Like, they maybe uh, took care to mask the glass, but uh, yeah, you're not getting these fucking windows open. No, no. The bedroom will be big enough to fit your bed and one Kmart clothes rack. The western-facing wall of the bedroom is a huge single-glazed window that does not open, with no curtain, looking straight into the windows of the apartment block across the street. Lucas says, yeah, it gets a little warm in summer, but just get yourself a standing fan and you'll be right. You move on to the be the bathroom, which appears first appears to have an interesting vintage wallpaper pattern, but upon closer inspection, just turns out to be black mould spreading over every untiled surface. Yeah. Jules tells... <laughs> yep. Yeah, just make a note of that in the entry report. That's fine. Yeah. Jules tells you that the landlord will be painting over the mould before the new tenant moves in. <laughs> you know that paint doesn't kill mould, but you don't want to jinx your chances. After all, this is the best flat you've seen in months. Oh, this is scary. I don't want to do podcasts anymore. <laughs> yep. Um, Fuck. Yeah. Look, that, that, that was kind of like a, a culmination of rental inspection horror stories. <laughs> but <laughs> did, it, did it feel too real? Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, my, some of my evidence for this is going to be anecdotal, so I'm going to try and yeah. not... Try not sound like I'm, I'm attending therapy, but uh, uh, God damn, that sure is... <laughs> Uh, I, I want to, my new thing is I want to go to anyone who is renting and particularly younger people and just tell them mm. like, hey, this is the shit you can say to like property managers to get them scurrying like cockroaches. This is the shit that yeah. will make them, that will actually get them to fix all of the dangerous or just uncomfortable shit in your house. Yeah. Um, a comrade of mine recently started renting a new place and there was like, there was literally a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> before oh, no. before she moved in that she like she successfully got them to fix before she moved in and i was all like wow you 
you got them to do that. There's still there's still a part of me that like I'm I'm very lucky that I don't rent anymore, but I did for, you know, nearly two decades. There's a part of me that's that's sort of like, don't don't bother the agents, don't ever let them know that you're there. Like once you're in, just sort of go quiet and don't make a fuss. But that's you know, that's not actually correct. Like renters have rights. Exactly. And everyone should kick up a fuss. Especially if the house is literally unsafe. Very much, yeah. And uh, yeah. and that brings us to the topic of uh, this week's episode, something that is, uh, I think everyone has gotten real fired up about. Um, Jules, uh, why the fuck are Australian houses so cold all the time? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> we, have, we have a lot of answers for that. We have a lot of answers about why are they cold? Why are they hot? Why are they so poorly ventilated? And we will be attempting to address to answer some of these questions today. I I will preface this with a disclaimer that neither Lucas or I are subject matter experts. We've read some studies and some newspaper articles and we've gotten a lot of anecdata from people. But we will be sort of talking about some of the, the general themes of Australian housing. And by themes, I mean problems. And not subject matter experts should just be included in the intro of the podcast. I'll just add a loot to the music or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't know shit about shit. <laughs> can, I, can I talk a little bit about my last rental experience? Yes, please. Just, just as an intro. Um, what, where this really got me, um, and I think uh, what made a lot of Australians realise that their houses are, are basically glorified tents, according to, I think, uh, a piece in the conversation, uh, is I think the pandemic when everyone had to work from home. Because mm. I've had a lot of moments and even like starting last Monday, right after we recorded like the Anzac Day episode, actually, we had like a really cold morning that, mm. like, that woke up my son. And fortunately in our house, we have like ducted aircon. I could control it from my phone. It's very flash and modern. So my wife is like, why aren't you going to our son? It's just like, it's just cold in his room. I've just turned on the heat. Okay, he's settled down now. Fortunately, like our roofs are insulated. Our walls aren't here. But the the previous house we lived in before we got our own place was basically a shack in the north side of Brisbane that had one air conditioner, one split system aircon in the lounge room. Oh my God. During summer, it got fucking nuclear there. Like, yeah. hot it. Hot enough that we kept the dogs inside with us. Yeah. Like, we were just like, yeah, our pets are not going outside for more than, like, a couple of minutes. It's fucked. So we, like, basically, you know, cloffed off all the windows, you know, put down the blinds where we could and cranked the aircon to, like, 16 degrees Celsius, like, as cold as it will go. Yeah. We're just like, we're just going to stay inside and play video games until, like, 4 o'clock when it settles the fuck down a bit. And it's still, no matter what we did, it was still just, like okay it was still decently warm in there even though this thing was blasting out cold air and one day i realized to my horror that the floorboards in this in this house uh which had like a small crawl space sort of like underneath the house i could see right through the gaps yeah so the cold air was just like seeping right out and like our electricity bill that summer was was through the goddamn roof it was disgusting yeah <laughs> So when we when we got this house, we you know made the decision to like okay we're gonna have this was right before we had children as well. So we're just like okay, we got some money left over. Let's do ducted aircon because the air conditioners that were here were like full of black mold and fucked. Oh yeah. Yeah, they would. My pregnant wife took one look at them and was just like fuck this. We're we're gonna put. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yep. We we were very fortunate with our mortgage. We were like, hey, let's get a little extra and maybe like tart up the kitchen a bit, get some more storage, get a stove that doesn't like have the nasty electric coils. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, we realized that was going to cost like a kind of shitty kitchen was going to cost 20 grand. So we were just like, okay, fuck no. But what about like ducted aircon? And it's been, and it's been great because at least our ceiling is insulated now. Uh, it keeps the house a decent temperature. And yeah, cause we knew that like, okay, we're going to have little kids keeping the temperature, uh, not only comfortable, but safe is going to be like vital. Yeah, well, you've you've really touched on kind of one of the main issues for housing in Australia, which is that most most buildings are woefully uninsulated if they're insulated at all. Yeah, that's for pussies. Have you considered having some con- eating some concrete or whatever the fuck the expression is and toughening up? Yeah. Um. Before the pandemic, I was studying. I'd started a little course in sustainable building design at um, CIT, which is Canberra's version of TAFE. And I had this one lecturer who talked about sustainable building and he was German. And every so often he would just go off into this kind of fugue state (laughs) where he would just get really distressed about how we didn't use double glazing in Australia. In, on our windows that like it's it's basically standard all through Europe and in Australia you'll maybe get double glazing on windows that are facing major roads in newer builds but nothing else and that like 65% of heat loss and gain occurs through glazing through single glazing mm-hmm. and like yeah so if it's not if it's not the windows it's the giant holes in the <laughs> in the houses or the fact that there's no insulation anywhere. Um, actually, maybe this is a good time to talk about this. When we, we bought our place in Canberra a few years ago, I, I bought a house with a group of my friends together. We bought a newer house in a, in a recently built suburb. And one of the things that people kept saying to us is like, oh, that's really good. It's a new build, so it won't be a Mr. Fluffy house. A what? Yes, exactly. And And we were like, what the hell is a Mr. Fluffy house? Because that sounds horrific. But it turns out that in the 90s in Canberra, there were a couple of companies, insulation companies, like loose fill insulation, where loose fill insulation is where they, like, they kind of stick a hose into the wall or into the roof space and just like pump stuff up there to insulate it. I remember ads for this growing up. So this must have been a bigish thing in, in the 90s. Yeah, well, Mr. Fluffy was Canberra specific. Um, but there were other companies, yeah, there were companies, ever, and there's still companies that do it. Um, that was when sort of, I think everybody was first learning about insulation. Like I remember in the 90s when I was at like a, an older child and a young teen, um, my helping my dad install like roof bats, like underneath our tin roof in central west New South Wales. Because he's like, you're light, you can, you can go on the... <laughs> the roof beams, child labor, but you know that's like helping, helping with, um, helping with, with, with building stuff and and renovations. I think is like I enjoyed it. I'm fine. Yeah. I think insulation had only just been recently, either invented or or people had kind of fully started to understand that it was necessary. Or or not made of poison in the case of asbestos. Ah well, <laughs> this brings us back to Mr. Fluffy, um, ah. because. The reason why everybody goes, oh, well, it's good that it's not a Mr. Fluffy house is that in the 90s, again, the 90s, after we had discovered what a problem asbestos was, Mr. Fluffy had been cutting costs and using asbestos material in his loose fill insulation. And, yes. and it's 
it's when it's particleized that asbestos becomes a problem. Like when it's in the when it's in the sheets, it's not a problem until you dismantle it. So like that's why a house can have sheeting with asbestos in it and that's it's not great, but it's really only a problem until you start trying to um to take it down. Yup. Because that's when the, the fibers can get out. But no, this was just this company was just pumping asbestos fibers into people's homes. Yes. Oh. After after we already knew. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's like that's like one of those those sort of really Canberra specific like scandals. Oh that, my god. Yeah, so our house is not a Mr. Fluffy house, but it is a strange box made out of concrete that after we after we bought it we discovered very quickly that every single every single fitting inside it was designed to look expensive but was actually the cheapest possible option and also every time we've had a tradesperson of any t- any kind in there's always a point about like half an hour to an hour after they come in and start looking at things where they come out and they sort of say to us um <sighs> look we don't really understand the design choices that have gone into this system. Oh. We don't know why why this has been done the way it is. That goes for the electricals, the air conditioning, the aircon system had one vent that was just venting into the roof space. Yeah. Like just, just pushing hot air into the roof space into rather than the house. Because that's what you need is a hot roof, but not, not the rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like basically... We're now at the point where, like, a tradesperson comes in and we're like, I wonder what terrible thing we'll find out now. We found out that the... Oh, what do you call it? The the thing above the stove that vents out the air. The range hood. The range hood, yeah. Um, That wasn't going anywhere. That was just venting into a wall space. Ours does. So- yeah, so we've, we've, we've had that fixed. We've, um, we've spent quite a bit fixing the problems with this new house, but that's okay. It's getting better. <laughs> the, the grim reality is with where my wife and I live now mm. is, yeah, we just have, our range hood is just the same vent that was in the bathrooms. Yep. Um, the previous owner, landlord, was an electrician and just, you know, did all the shit himself. Uh, we have a dimmer yeah. bedroom that fucking flickers. And we were just like, is this going to like fuck with our kids? This is when our baby was sleeping with us. Oh, and we were just like, we just can't use the dimmer switch. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my roof space is just going to be filled with like greasy. It's just going to accumulate like years and years of grease. Absolutely. Go and get that changed. Get that, like get a vent put in when you can, when you can, because um, the reason that we got ours like looked at to find out if that was happening was that a friend of ours had a fire in her house because of the same issue like her roof was just yeah was just filled with like 20 years 20 years of grease what the fuck and it caught on fire oh yeah yeah sorry sorry everyone uh there's a new thing to be afraid of um (laughs) it also does it also does fucking nothing to get rid of smoke in the kitchen like man if you cook if you cook one steak or something yeah. like that. Something for longer than four minutes. It is going to set off every smoke alarm in the house. It's open the fire, the the windows. Yeah. 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 Ugh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, everyone. This will be a depressing topic. But like, we're we're talking about about like housing standards in general and why are they so terrible? Lucas, I believe you wanted to talk about some some general things about 
older housing standards. Yeah, yeah. Before I before I do that though, I also want to touch on really quickly, and I do want to touch upon mm. this quickly because, like, again, we're not subject matter experts in this subject, let alone no, we don't know anything, let alone this one. Yeah, uh, this could be a whole app in and of itself, but I'm going to speak briefly about uh, housing and structures in pre-colonial Australia because, mm. uh, as I imagine a lot of our listeners are aware, there's a very racist belief. Um, I remember hearing as a kid that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people were entirely nomadic, they didn't build structures. Um, that is an extremely, you know, racist idea uh, that was put forward to justify col- colonization. Um, they did, in fact, build structures uh, ranging from, like, you know, houses to agricultural structures. Um, there's lots of evidence for this. Uh, also evidence that some of it has been destroyed to justify aforementioned, you know, colonization and atrocities. Mm-hmm. There's a reason Bruce Pascoe's book, Dark Emu, has had right-wing pundits, you know, shitting and howling for almost like 15 years now. Yeah. So Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders built heaps of structures. The key thing is that due to being here for what's now thought to be over 70,000 years at this point, um, traditional owners really understood the land and where it was, not only where it was appropriate to build things, but like how to build things. This next little bit is going to be very, like, Brisbane, Queensland-centric. So, uh, I live in Brisbane, also also known as Mianjin. In pre-colonial times, Mianjin was believed to be populated by the Turbul, Yagara, Jagara, and Kwandamuka people. Um, n- not necessarily populated, but, like, moved through by those groups. Quick sensitivity disclaimer, this is based on the best info I have on the subject. In recent years, there's been discussion about uh, what ethnic groups may have lived and moved for the area, so I won't refer to any specific group. Brisbane or Mianjin is sometimes derisively called a swamp. That's uh, something I heard growing up. It's like, oh, it's a swamp, it's a wetland. And and it's true. Uh, Metropolitan Brisbane was founded on, has been built on a giant floodplain. We love doing that. Yep. Last weekend, I got to go to a very cool panel at the Brisbane Writers Festival uh, called Colonial Cringe. It was a ten- uh, It was presented by a bunch of writers, including some I really like, uh, Claire G. Coleman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Author of Terra Nullius and, uh, and Robbie Arnott, the author of Flames. And uh, behind them in the State Library was this huge map of Brisbane that I saw was like a map of Brisbane during the floods. Because I was just like, oh, there's a lot of water on that map. And I realized that it was all the floodplains and it included like a bunch of, you know, residential areas. It included places near me. So me and Janet's surrounding areas were mangroves and, you know, wetland areas, which are hatcheries and nurseries for lots of different aquatic animals. So it was a really good area to move through to like hunt and get fish and lots of people move through the area as a result. Sadly, due to pollution, that is not necessarily the case anymore. And uh, because of the whole floodplain thing, it seems like no one really built permanent structures, or at least not in the low areas of Brisbane, because uh, as you may know, every 20 to 30 years, except nowadays it's more like 10 years, Mianjin experiences flood conditions. I may have mentioned this in the Melbourne Cup episode, but uh, last year I filmed at a person's house while it was still being rebuilt from the March 22 floods. Oh, wow. And uh, this was around the Red Hill area of Brisbane where Bluey is set. Mm. And I was horrified when she told me that because her house is built in basically a gully, she basically lives in a high-level flood area. And it floods, you know, Mm. not only does it flood during catastrophic Brisbane floods, it just floods every time it rains. Uh, Jesus, yeah. 
Yeah, so so the decision to, you know, make a housing lot there and build a house there was kind of silly. <laughs> Brisbane also gets really cold. Mm. We have no idea how to build houses here. But also in like other parts of Australia where there are bushfires, traditional owners knew how to manage conditions to like, because fires are part of, you know, some plants, mm. you know, reproductive cycles in Australia. It is just part of the ecosystem here. And traditional owners knew how to not only manage the land to stop the fires getting out of control, they also probably understood like, hey, let's not build a structure right here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, But that's not the case. We just sort of build houses anywhere. We don't really pay attention to like, you know, the fact that there's a flood every 30 years or there's, like, wild bushfires. Well, yeah, that's, that's like, a big issue in, um, definitely in New South Wales at the moment where there's a lot of discussion about rebuilding from various floods that have happened in the last year or so and, and the discussion of should governments be actively allowing people to build new places on floodplains? Yeah, yeah. But New South Wales is entirely run by property developers, so... Uh, yeah, that's going to continue. Yeah, yeah. In fact, if I want to be very cynical and do a too long didn't read for this episode, I'd suggest, I thought of this when I was making coffee, mm. um, if you're a landlord and legislate landlords who as a group have a lot of like resources, a lot of lobbying power, lots of politicians are landlords. If legislation comes in, says that, hey, you need to like properly insulate these houses so people can live and not develop health problems. Um and you're one of those particularly parasitic landlords who owns like upwards of five properties, even if it only costs maybe up to $100,000 to do like a little bit of insulation, you don't want to spend that money. Like some landlords don't want to spend any money at all on their properties, hence why you get awful shit like holes in people's roofs or, you know, painting yeah. over black mold. So I would suggest that maybe the reason why Australia is behind in this is because, yeah, we sadly have a, land a rapacious landlord class that does not want to spend that money making their properties better. Oh, well, absolutely. Um, real estate and, and rental real estate has been posited in the Australian psyche as a entirely passive income source. Yeah. Once you have the money to buy a rental property, you can rent that out and the money of that pays the mortgage on it and you shouldn't have to do anything. But that's not actually how it works. And... Like, part of this is due to the fact that our investment in public and social housing has been dropping away since the 70s. You know, we've got terrible things like um, the tax. Uh, negative... Negative gearing. Negative gearing. Like, a whole lot of tax breaks and things to make being a landlord a financially beneficial thing. It's like, it's actually considered sort of the best and safest form of investment in Australia. Like I said, I bought a house with my friends and part of the reason I was able to do that was that my, my grandmother had died and left me a very well situated flat in Sydney, but like home ownership for most people does involve the death of a well-off relative at this point. Mm -hmm. And um, I was the only grandchild of a fairly well-to-do doctor which is not actually like a feasible economic policy for a society. Yeah. You know, I didn't have any other, like I didn't have siblings or cousins that I was splitting that inheritance with, I, you know, like I was extremely fortunate. And, um, and so I decided to use that as a, as a deposit on, on a house that my housemates could also buy into because, and every single financial advisor that I went to 
just sort of said, well, you should buy you should buy an investment property. And I was like, yes, I don't want to be a landlord. <laughs> I really don't want to be a landlord. That's like against my ethics. Um, I don't want to do that. And they're like, they're like, oh, you could, you could charge your friends rent. I'm like, yes, again, I don't want to be a landlord. I definitely don't want to be a landlord to my friends. Um, <laughs> that's weird. And it was very difficult to find banks that would lend to us as a group, which I think is now changing. Like the new government has, has made some laws to sort of, make that different but um it was really interesting to see how much of the entire financial system is geared towards telling people become like the second you have a bit of money become a landlord um and there was like really no other useful information given to me and there's there's also the idea as well that like it should also be exempt from risk like anytime there is a and then this happens on Twitter all the time. You see some fuckhead landlord like mm. pissing and moaning about like, oh, they want me to make my house habitable. And we all jump on and we tell them to uh, shut the fuck up. And yeah, yeah um, every investment has risks, has an element of risk. Absolutely. If your investment is not bringing you the returns that you want, get rid of it. Just sell, sell it. Like that's, you're allowed to do that. Um, and I think that's, that's the thing that like so much of the housing supply is caught up in being shitty rentals that aren't being looked after. Um, in a lot of major cities, there's no real, uh, there's no longer an incentive to actually care for those properties sure. because the land is now worth so much that like you can just let, you can just let people live in it until it's so degraded that it has to be torn down. Sure. And then you might as well sell it to a property developer who will pay an obscene amount and put up some shitty, shitty substandard apartments. One of the things is that I believe in all states around Australia, property developers don't require licensing. Every other part of the building and construction process, you need to be licensed. You need to be trained and licensed, even Mm. if it's just like a little thing. But property developers, there's nothing. Um, there's a push in the ACT at the moment to get them licensed. They don't need to be licensed and they're the ones controlling the money. So they, you know, they push a lot of cost cuts onto people, things like that. They're constantly trying to save money and cut costs. In in Queensland, you know, we have a big thing at the moment with the QBCC, the Queensland Building Construction Code is receiving a lot of reforms mm. to to clamp down on this shit. Like property yeah. managers, like, you know, just declaring bankruptcy at the last minute, not being able to pay any of their, any of the actual people doing the work. And then they just like start a new business. Yeah, yeah. Just keep um, doing the cycle anew. Phoenixing, it's called. Phoenixing, it is. It's called Phoenixing. And it happens all over the country, you know, and they use like dodgy labor hire companies. And it's a really big problem. A lot of my stuff is going to be very Sydney centric because uh, that's where I lived for a lot of, the time and that's sort of like in terms of state news other than Canberra that's where I'm kind of more plugged into. Did you hear about in Sydney about four years ago a apartment building called Mascot Towers? No well or maybe which what which one was that? This was the building started cracking. Oh great. And 130 residents were evacuated and this was four years ago and it's been completely unlivable ever since. How, how old was that building? Oh, very new. Oh, Very right. new, yeah. 
I guess this segues nicely into my little subsection on shitty apartment buildings. Two years ago, there was a report about Sydney called Cracks in the Compact City that said that more than a quarter of new apartment buildings had serious defects. Mm -hmm. This is again because of like cost cutting. Uh, Some property developers illegally import cheaper materials. Um, Most of these new apartment buildings are very, very clearly built to be investment properties yep like they're not actually built for like the the idea is not that the owner will live there (laughs) and that really drastically changes what goes into it and how it's how it's built because they're being built as investment properties they are designed with the idea that it will be ideally occupied by single adults or couples Mm -hmm. so they're never child-friendly there's, there's no storage space. Uh, there's nowhere to put a pram. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, there's really insufficient access to parks or playgrounds. A lot of the time, the strata company will have rules like no running or noise in the hallways or why are these kids' bikes being put in the hallways, things like that. So, like, Because the, the reality is that families do live in apartments. You know, in cities, in other parts of the world where medium and high density living is more normalized, there can be lots of really good child-friendly medium and high density living space. Like they can be close to playgrounds, close to parks, uh, space for kids to put their stuff, you know? Like it it, it can be done. There's this idea, which is very baby boomer-centric, of how your living will pan out while while you age, which is that while you're at university, you'll rent, you'll probably live in a share house, you might graduate to an like a little apartment as a as a single worker or as a young couple mm-hmm. and then by the time that you are ready to have children you should have saved enough money to be able to buy like a little place somewhere in the suburbs yep but that's for most people that's not the case again unless a relative has died and left left the money and even still a lot of the time people are then buying apartment blocks and raising children in them. That kind of like, we assume that the old that the perfect tenant is a single worker or a couple with no children, and we are going to entirely design all this new housing around that. Yeah, it's very much like that in Brisbane as well. We've stayed in apartments like that. I've had friends and family yeah. live in apartments like that. And you go in the lift and there's like remedy breach notices from landlords, you know, complaining oh. about noise and shit. And I'm just like, yeah. what the fuck is this? Like, I almost want to like take it down. One of my, yeah, like one of my, one of my flatmates now was, uh, housemates was years ago living in a place out at Marylands in Sydney. And whenever we went to her place, the breach notices were so wild. Um, One of them was like, Oh, there were breach notices about people drying their laundry on clothes racks on their balconies. Oh, get fucked. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people can see it from the street. It's unsightly. It's unsightly. Um, yeah, and that was that was the one with, with things about, like, why are children leaving their tricycles in the lobby? Oh, there was one during Diwali saying that you you couldn't put, you couldn't decorate your doorway. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, oh, but was there one at Christmas for like, you know, how dare you put a wreath on your door? Like, I don't know, but like the joylessness in it as well, like the 
the incredible attempt to never, ever have any community. Mm. There was a pool at this complex, but you weren't supposed to have more than like two visitors who didn't live in the building at, at a time. And, oh, and I was like, okay, but like, what if a little kid wants to have a birthday party, you know? Sure. This is a space that's available. There's a pool. That's a pretty big um, draw. Yeah. That sort of comes back to this, this problem with, with the landlord class of the idea that, that that's their asset mm-hmm. rather than this is now someone's home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, although they like to talk about how they're providing an important service, that they're providing housing, but they're really not. They're not, um, not providing safe or useful housing. They're like, you will, you will occupy my asset until I kick you out so I can raise the rent or I decide that it's time to sell it. Or you've like exercised your rights as a tenant. You have made me do a crumb of work. Yeah. And I view you as difficult. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm in a group of, of, of like a whole lot of my old friends, like people I've been mates with for like two decades now, who have, you know, because we're all in our like late 30s or 40s, have finally managed to buy a place somewhere. Mm. But because we're like, this is the first time we've ever bought somewhere, we all, none of us know how to do like basic maintenance, maintenance tasks yeah. because, um, you're not allowed to if you're renting in Australia. Like you're not, you're not even allowed to fix a dripping tap. Yeah. You're supposed to call the landlord. Um, which again, calling a landlord usually means nothing will happen, but also could get you kicked out. So, uh, things just sort of don't get fixed. But um, unless it is something like severely dangerous, like the time, <laughs> like the yeah. time I lived. Not to do too many anecdotes. The time I lived in a house that had bedrooms illegally built underneath. And I woke up one morning during, like, a very rainy season Mm. to me and my mates' rooms flooding and water pouring out of a light fixture. Oh, that's always really... Yeah, that's not where water should be coming out of. Yeah, and the property property manager, to Mm. her credit, sounded like she was shitting bricks. (laughs) Because she understood that, like, if one of us died, like, she'd be liable, the landlord would be liable. Like, it was... uh, Yeah. Yeah, I... And we didn't do anything about it because we weren't raised to know anything about that to just be like yeah. yo give us give us free tenancy fuckhead like yeah give us rent like a reduction mu- yeah give us a rent yeah. reduction give us a mm. month's holiday like and then there's like but like you've said you know if you're standing your ground like that is is tough i'm only really getting good at standing my ground on most things now like after being medicated for adhd and getting like <laughs> becoming more assertive as a result of that like understanding like no 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 my my recollection of things or my experiences are valid and this isn't right like yeah and and it works you can make these people you know there was a wonderful mm. bit in that in that house i was talking about earlier where like we had one shitty air conditioner <laughs> we were renting that during a period in queensland or sort of brisbane property rentals that was like a real renter's market. It was wonderful. And we made the landlord like build fences for us. Like oh. it's a bunch of shit. We we made that that fucker work. It was wonderful. <laughs> That's amazing. Um yeah, uh husband of the podcast is is a lawyer. So he's really good yes. at dealing like and it was it was largely his job to do that. Um <laughs> for yeah, for a long time before well, we were renting was just to be the person using the official language. But yeah, anyway, on this group of people learning how to change a tap washer for the first time, one of my friends posted a link to a like a carpet website 
that she'd been looking at because she wanted to recarpet her house. And they had two sections for different options on it, which was residential options and rental options. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. So, like, the quality of carpet that you would put in your own home compared to the shitty plastic stuff that you would put in a rental property. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I know. Isn't that, like, that was so horrifying to me as a as a concept. Yeah, you, uh-huh. you, don't, you don't have to fucking live here, so who cares what these scrubs have to deal with? Yeah. Before we get on, I, I think that, that we will just continue. I, I'd like to continue with a few more anecdotes that different friends of the podcast uh, sent into us when we asked about bad rental and housing stories. I'm going to try and try and not like scream into the microphone and death. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a bit like that. Okay. So a uh, friend of the podcast row on Twitter said the massive cracks in the, in the walls of the rental where I live. They're so big that I can see the street from my hallway with the front door shut. Ah, that icy breeze in winter. Oh. I think, yeah, I believe Roe is Melbourne-based, so yeah, that would be a big one. Um, and uh, changing to, to the issue of heat, we have friend of the podcast Maddie on the Australian Gothic Discord, who said, I had a place with a jet black window shade facing the sun. My glasses sitting next to it got so hot they melted. I woke up once w- with heat stroke because the room didn't have aircon put a blackout curtain over the window to stop it getting hot, then was met with a notice to remedy breach because I impacted the external view of the property. It was radiating heat to the point where my hand would burn if I held it right next to the shade. Oh, just, just legit hostile to life. Yeah, yeah. Um. Going, going back quickly to the Melbourne one, like, mm. I've, I've stayed in Melbourne a couple of times, and at least in some of the southern states, where it does mm. get legit very cold, there seems yeah. to be this belief in Australia that, like, oh, we're, we're a summer place. You know, it doesn't, yeah. it gets cold, but, like, you know, it only mm. snows in a couple of places, but it's still fucking cold in Melbourne. You yeah. still have to wear a couple of jackets, and yeah. at least some of the places I stayed in Melbourne were mostly insulated, but, like... I get in Queensland because we're like the subtropics. It's like, oh, harden up. It doesn't really get that cold. Uh, okay, fine. It does though. You know, at least Melbourne and Sydney, it's like, why aren't they insulated? And a, lo- a lot of it's because those those places are, they're older. They were they were built earlier. It was it was colonized um, at an earlier point and, and colonized and then populated much more than other places at an earlier point. Mm. And so there's like, like in Sydney specifically, there's a lot of housing around the inner city, uh, the inner west, that are these kind of Victorian and then federation or pre-federation workers' cottages, like terrace houses and things like that. Um, And they're older and they're not insulated. Um, (laughs) I imagine in some of these places... uh... They had, you know, I know in Melbourne, there's heaps of fireplaces that do not function anymore because that yes. was how you heated the house. But they don't work anymore because the landlord doesn't want to deal with it. Uh, no, also because in a whole, in most cities, in built up areas, there are actually laws against wood fires for yeah. air pollution reasons. That's that's probably a good point as well. Like, it's it's not great for you either. Like Yeah, no. Um, well, that, that leads me nicely into our next little story 
which is friend of the podcast SC Bags on the Discord, who said, During my 20s, I was living in Battery Point, a historic suburb in Hobart, which for our international listeners is the Australian city closest to the South Pole. It was old enough that it had been built when a fireplace in each room was the only way of keeping it warm, although the, long, the fireplaces were long since bricked up by the time we were living there, not that they'd put insulation behind those bricks or anything. <laughs> and to accommodate for the smoke that was inevitable when you're using wood fires for heating, the ceilings were ridiculously high, easily well above three metres. So you have southern Tasmanian winters, where it's regularly below zero degrees Celsius at night, and sometimes even during the day. And you've got a house which is poorly, if at all, insulated with high ceilings, which means most heat goes directly up to the ceiling, which is above head height. Every winter was suffering, and every winter meant a quadrupled power bill just trying to get it warm enough to get by. Fucking nightmarish. And I bet they don't, they didn't have fans either, which could at least, like, oh, no. propel the heat back down. Oh, fuck. No, 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 definitely not. Um, nothing, nothing retrofitted like that. Um, yeah, finding out that, like, fans, <laughs> so, that, that a lot of the time they'll have, like, a reverse thing where they can push the air down, game changer. Yep. No yep. one had told me that. Why, why, just this last week, I went to all the fans and put them into winter mode. So it's Ooh. like, okay, okay, yeah, this does make a difference. It's like yeah. sucking up the cold air and moving it around. Yeah. So it's not just like settling. Yeah, most of those older houses are also built for English climates. Which we um, don't have here. Which we don't have. Or, like, as you said, a lot of housing in in Australia is built with the idea that Either it's a cold climate or a hot climate. Yeah. But, but, but honestly, everywhere gets hot and everywhere gets cold. And as climate change gets worse, everywhere in Australia is experiencing more and more intense summers. Mm-hmm. And also increasingly colder winters for a lot of places. The World Health Organization says that um, homes should be like indoors the, the temperature that you want them to be for, like, living in and existing in and sleeping in is between 18 to 24 degrees Celsius. Yeah. And I, like, all the time I was living in Sydney, I was living in houses that there, there was no heating or cooling or insulation in any of them. They were all older places. And it would, like, in winter, it would frequently get down to definitely the low tens, but Ooh. sometimes even single digits. Yep. inside the house because again it's it's a glorified tent yeah so do we should we talk about heat or do we want let's talk about cold for a little bit yeah yeah well i had a point on that because mm. when you were when you were talking mm. about sc Beggs's story mm. i had another realization that you know there's a popular image of australia you know a correct one that we mm. have you know wild weather we have lots of thunderstorms mm. we really like thunderstorms uh I worked with a British dude who got so G'd up for Australian mm-hmm. thunderstorms because it was like so novel nice. to him. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, that's rad. I do that too. Let's stop work yeah. and watch the thunderstorm just go wild. Mm. And thunderstorms, my understanding, uh, happen because of like high and low pressure systems or like different temperatures of air smacking into each other. Yeah. And, you know, creating pressure that results as like lightning mm. and wind and wild weather. And also, Australia is a southern continent. We are quite close to Antarctica. So we get a lot of those thunderstorms because we have lots of cold air hitting lots of hot air from the tropics. Mm. So, yeah, it's a very dumb idea. The fact that, like, no, it's Australia. It's just hot all the time. So we don't need to insulate houses and have lots of windows. It's like, no, it absolutely gets cold here. It got to, like, eight degrees in Brisbane the other day. 
it's not unheard of for it to get freezing in, you know, subtropical climates like mine. Yeah, and so if your housing is not insulated, but also doesn't have any kind of, like, heating or cooling technology like fans or or air conditioning or, like, you are living in a cold fucking house. Yeah. And there's only so much that the little oil heaters and stand fans can do. Girlfriend of the podcast, Maxabon, linked me an article from uh, healthyhomes.org.au that I did... I ended up going on some deep dives in that and, and just being like, oh, we we live in tents. Oh, God. <laughs> From 2021, that had the figure on it that 6.5% of deaths in Australia are from cold compared to 0.5% from heat, which I was a little bit surprised about. But I think that maybe we're better at being careful in the heat. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, a lot of those deaths deaths are related to cardiovascular and respiratory disease because your hearts and lungs struggle the most in the cold. Yep. So yeah, people's homes are cold and they're not heated properly and your body temperature just stays lower mm-hmm. than it should be. Yeah, and, and she was also telling me the, the sort of distressing fact that in a lot of the really, really cold countries around the world where it snows regularly, most cold deaths occur between occur among young men who get like drunk and pass out in the snow somewhere yeah but in australia it's it's from the the figures i could find it's elderly people dying in their homes Uh, mostly elderly women as well which is uh depressing yeah uh that this was a fact that uh josie relayed when you know Mm. she was one of the first people to pitch the idea for this episode and uh she also had a german friend who, you know, was horrified by how cold it is here, you know, is from a cold climate and is like, mm. these are the coldest houses I've ever lived in. I don't remember which episode uh, she said that, but I, it, it made sense to mm. me. It was just like, yep, <laughs> it's a nightmare. Yeah. I think like 15 years ago now, my brother-in-law went to, went to Canada on exchange and, um, and we were like, oh, Canada's going to be so cold. It's going to be so cold. And he sort of went, Actually, it's really nice. Like, it's all, it's just warm inside the buildings at all times. And everything is kind of designed for you to be like, to sort of spend the minimum amount of time outdoors. Like, you can, you can, like, in the cities, you can just walk everywhere undercover. It's all heated. And he sort of came back and he's like, Yeah, I've, that, it was a fine winter. It was absolutely okay. I've had much worse. All, all my winters in Sydney have been worse and colder. Yeah. When I moved to Canberra, even when we were first renting, the homes that we lived in had heating in them. And I, for the the first winter that we lived here, I didn't get any respiratory disease, illness. Yeah. And that was like, that was pre-pandemic. And I just, I, I'd gotten so used to, you know, a series of colds and flus every winter that we lived in Sydney. And then suddenly I just wasn't cold all the time. Amazing. Yeah. Um. The key, I think the key moment that made uh, my wife and I decide to want to buy a house is like we went on holiday to like an Airbnb out in Glencoe, which is mm. uh, out Stanford Way, is out west and sort of right on the boundary of New South Wales and Queensland. And oh. and we were staying in in what was the farm owner's house while they built their, re- their, their actual house. Mm. And it had like a fireplace, but it also just had like really well built, had like double glazed windows and it Ugh. was freezing every morning. It almost yeah. snowed one day. And, but we were just so comfortable. It was just mm. not an issue having to stay there. And uh, we got back and my, my wife kind of had a fit. It's just like, 
we're paying the equivalent of a mortgage to rent this place yeah and it's a shit pit like fuck yeah. this i want to start like we drastically change our lives just like we're gonna mm. start saving for a house and getting our own place because i'm sick of not being able to do anything to fix this yeah that that ability to actually make some kind of change is is huge we like we've you know we we research all these ways of like making our home um more energy efficient like it's terrible the way the way it's built is terrible it's it's a strange fibro box but um <laughs> The government, the, the ACT government is doing this thing where you can get assessors to come out and assess your home for energy efficiency. Mm. And we got a guy to come around and he also, like, he spent the whole day and he was like, this is amazing. This is like a puzzle to solve. Uh -huh. I'm like, haha, cool. I live here. Um, Sick. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it costs us so much money. Your house is fascinating the way it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's like, it's like going to the doctor and they go, ooh, and call people in. <laughs> You know? I'm gonna write a paper um, on your fucked up bit. Yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, but uh, he gave us a really good energy efficiency rating, but it was entirely due to the absolutely enormous solar rig that we've installed and the battery. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, 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 you get ten stars, but without the solar panels and and the battery, it would be one point five. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, so that's like oh. But but again, we we are luckier in that we actually have the capacity to to solve that and we, you know, again, luckier that we live in a we're living in a territory that has interest-free loans for any energy efficiency changes you make to your home. Oh, that's sick. Oh, it's very the ACT is very good. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know that I know that I bang on a lot, a lot about this, but again, I I came from New South Wales, which is run entirely by property developers, and everything is how much money can we extract from the land here? Yeah. And now I live somewhere where they're like, what if this was a nice place to live? Yeah, yeah. What if we chase landlords out of town with like uh, torches and pitchforks? Yeah. So yeah, like I've I've had a better time in in Canberra than I did in Sydney in the winters just because like like I know it's cold and that that first winter I hadn't fully <laughs> the first winter we lived here I didn't realize how cold it was outside because like you know living in Sydney like it was always cold but it was cold inside the house as well yeah. so I didn't really have that that idea that if you if you go outside in the morning you need to properly rug up yeah. the first winter we were living here my housemate got a puppy Oh. Who is who is our our dog that that um any any followers of my Twitter will see referred to as Beef Grutchens, <laughs> his real name. But um two days after we brought Beef Grutchens home, he tore a tendon in his back leg, and then which then resulted in an incredibly expensive surgery, to that where his leg was pinned in place and the the ligament was um was repaired and he had to be in a little dog cast for eight weeks, I think, which was very distressing for a little beagle, staffy cross puppy. Oh, and um, and he wasn't allowed to run around. And he had to, because he wasn't allowed to move that much, which again, a puppy. And we had to take him out to go to the toilet in the mornings. Because we were from Sydney, we were used to the concept of like, oh, you can just duck outside for kind of a few minutes and it will be fine. And mm. we quickly learned that if you were going to go outside, you had to like, 
you know, you had needed Ugg boots, trackies, like a full hood, like you had to fully rug yourself up. Sure. It was embarrassing to me that I had forgotten that because I grew up in Central West New South Wales, where it also gets properly cold. Like I just, I just forgotten. But um, now we know, and now we, you know, we've got all the gear and like I've got this incredibly thick hoodie that I just leave downstairs for when I need to go outside. Uh, it doesn't come up to my room. Doesn't need to. Um, but I think that part of that was that it was warm inside the house, whereas like in Sydney, inside the house and outside the house were. The same. Usually roughly the same temperature, so it wouldn't really matter. Um, oh, god damn. Yeah. Shall we talk about heat? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's fun. So it's, it's getting hotter in Australia. Yeah. And um, we, are, we are now coming into a El Nino summer. We've had three years, I think, of La Nina. So the last El Nino was, um, was the bushfires. Mm-hmm. The Black Summer and Fires. The Black Summer Fires. Um, I think there have been a few years now that have been called Black Summer. Yeah, good point. Like we, yeah, you know, Black Summer. Which one? <laughs> 2019, Black Summer, 2003. Um, but, but as well as, you know, obvious bushfires and all the horror of that, it just gets really fucking hot. Yup. Now, I remember, this was many years ago, this is nearly, this is uh, now 17 years ago, what was then the hottest New Year's Day on record. This is specifically related to housing, which where it got which was January first, two thousand and six, and it got up to forty five degrees in Sydney. Whoa. Yeah, forty five degrees is now actually really common in um in definitely in El Nino years. Mm. Like you'll you'll get quite a lot of days forty plus, but it was pretty much unheard of when I was younger. And that's when it's getting, like, hot enough that it's, like, legit dangerous to be outside in direct sunlight. Oh, look, o- over 35 is... Yeah. Yeah, um, the the CFMEU construction division in Victoria has a rule that work stops above 35 degrees on yeah. construction sites. They're like, they've de- deemed it unsafe to work, um, which it is. Like, yep. that's just... And I mean, also when you add to the fact that they're like on up on roofs and things like that. Yeah. Now it was 45 degrees in Sydney and a few months afterward, my parents-in-law were telling us about how they'd had to get some builders in because cracks had developed in the foundations and walls of their house. And the builders had said to them that this had been happening in a whole lot of older houses because of that one hot day where it had been so incredibly hot so suddenly that the dry heat and lack of moisture caused the buildings, like the foundations to shrink and crack. Uh. So yeah, like if, if you live in a place, like if you live particularly in an older place that's got, that's got cracks in the walls, it's possible that what's happened is like some really, really hot days have just dried the, the bricks out and made them shrink so far that they've cracked. Jesus. Yeah. Brick buildings are a big problem in warm areas, and there's a lot of them. Uh-huh. Because the problem with brick buildings is that they warm up and they hold heat. And uh, at a certain point in the summer, you can't make the, pro- the house properly cool again. Yeah. Like, particularly if they're not insulated, which they never are. There would be this point in, like, late November, early December in the, the house I lived in in Sydney where the walls would never get cool. Oh, wow. Like, you could put your hand on them and they'd feel warm. During the hot summers, 
like it became this normal routine for us to get up as early as possible to close all the windows and curtains and then you'd have to wait for the cool change in the evening which again Sydney's a coastal city so that happens a lot of the time unless it doesn't which is a problem um to open them back up again and let the air flow through oh my god yeah so you have talked a little bit about like the problem of Queensland houses in winter but and that that is one of those things where the architectural style known as a Queenslander which is sort of that similar to the house Bluey lives in, where they're, you know, there's big shaded verandas and they're up on stilts to pre- protect from flooding and there's, like, airflow up high between the rooms, which seems less good for privacy. Oh, very much, yeah. I've lived yeah. in them and it's just like, okay, yeah, there's doors everywhere. My, I lived in yeah. a house where, like, one room had, like, doors, glass doors everywhere. And it's mm. just like, cool, I can't get dressed if there are people over. Like, Yeah. And like, but also like the walls don't go all the way up to the ceiling. Yeah. So that they, so that the airflow goes through, which for, for keeping a place cool in summer is actually amazing. And the Queenslander is a form of purely Australian architecture. That's actually, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, for summer, that's great. Yeah. But yeah, terrible, terrible in winter. That would be just impossible to heat. Also, if you unfortunately own a Queenslander, which you could only mm. which you can only do if you're incredibly wealthy, and because they're yeah. heritage listed, doing any kind of work to them at all right. is, takes ages and is going to cost you a packet. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And because they're all timber as well, like you know, where we live, you know, we've got a roof space. So when we installed the ducted aircon, that was like no mm. big deal. But that's uh that's much harder in in uh in Queenslanders. Yeah, yeah there's like there's a really big problem in that. Like, we, we know how to design for Australian climates, but it's expensive to do so, and so we don't. And I, I am going to get a little bit a little bit more socialist than anarchist here and say that, like, this is one of those areas where the state really needs to take over. Very much. And provide proper, serious, well-built housing, because they could, could do it. They could, you know, particularly if we weren't buying all these submarines. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look... It's 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 honestly amazing that it's taken me this long to yell about the submarines on the podcast because like I I go on a rant about these probably once a day. No, no, that's <laughs> a, yep, that's very true. Uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely fucked. Um, there are yeah. things, policy decisions going on in Queensland that I won't talk about too much. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> oh no, we're a politics podcast now. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Uh, about like how to address like housing shortages and you know like insane rent markets housing being just like out of reach for anyone who doesn't like inherit a house from a dead relative or inherit yeah. money from a dead relative yeah. yeah it's absolutely insane and you know some of the ideas to get around it you know just have me like screaming mm. and and the thing is that like it, it really needs to be like state-based supply um not not private not not private investors that's obviously not working we've discussed that a whole lot today um but there are there are also really really cool ways of building sustainably using using really interesting new materials things like hempcrete which is wall segments that are about at least a foot thick um and they're made out of like hemp fibers and other stuff and they're all kind of super sustainable and like they're self-insulating obviously there's all these really exciting new building materials coming through that can make a totally energy neutral home and things like that but they're really only things that you can use to build 
on rural and regional properties because most urban and suburban places aren't zoned to let you use that kind of construction material. Oh, great. Yeah, so like, you know, we have the technology, but all these... Not that I think zoning laws are a bad idea, and I actually think that construction things should be heavily regulated, but it's sort of time to, like, update those things. The downside to regulation is, yeah, like, sometimes it takes a while for these things to to catch up. Yeah, my dream is to build like a a rammed earth building or a earth ship or things like that, but that's really only feasible if you buy land. And I do not have the rural skills to live off the land. Like I know that about myself. And yeah, and I'm like, no, 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 we should be we should be aiming towards greening suburbia, not just going. I'm starting a compound, but that's that's a whole other rant. Um, heating like. We, we talked a little bit before about like when you can't open the windows in rentals and that's a really big problem. I've got a friend who a while ago was living in this beautiful apartment block with big glass, not even French doors, just like one, one wall that was west facing was entirely glass and couldn't be opened. And there was no, there was no air conditioning in this property and it was all single glazing and it just became an oven. in summer and she was renting and one of the the solutions that you can do is to stick up bubble wrap on the inside of your windows huh yeah because it's it it insulates okay yeah yeah but like just just basically cover your entire the insides of your entire windows with bubble wraps back when we we lived in sydney we used to like in summer we rigged up reflective tarps (laughs) over our over some of our outside windows we lived in a like little house not a apartment block so we didn't get like breached for that but Uh yeah like like tarps with the reflective side facing out so that it would reflect the sun away like but you know like bubble wrap and tarps are not things that we should have to do no I was reading that The Guardian presented an article about, like, well, this family, like, upgraded their home to be, like, super insulated and only costs, like, $400,000. And I'm just like, okay, it's a nice house, but, like, that's still a fuck ton of money. That's the whole price of a house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, not in a major city, but, like, outside a major city, sure. That's... Supply of housing is a really big problem. We know that there's just not enough places. Mm-hmm. A lot of the supply has been has gone to to Airbnb, which yeah. which has really destroyed the rental market in a whole lot of regional areas. Yeah, because people can make more money out of Airbnb, and like we're also with things like flooding, we are also experiencing loss of housing supply because people's homes are getting destroyed. Not only are there still people living in tents because of the the floods last year. But there are also people who are still living in tents who were displaced from the bushfires over three years ago. It's, it's fucking disgusting. Yeah, like we, like climate change is actually, like not only are the existing houses getting more and more unlivable, but housing supply is being destroyed and not necessarily being, being rebuilt, which is cheerful. Um, you you cannot uh, sell your house to fucking Aquaman. No, 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 you can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually a really big problem in in a whole lot of areas. So there's been this big discussion in both um, in in Lismore about rebuilding. So Lismore was hit with terrible floods 
at the beginning of last year, but also mm. um, the central west town of Yugara, uh, which was like annihilated by flooding a few months ago. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard to keep track of everything. And there's this sort of discussion of, of, well, should people be allowed to rebuild? But then if they don't, like the problem there is if you do let people rebuild on those areas, there's the chance of more flooding unless you do some like really serious infrastructure around that, mm-hmm. which is not always possible. I don't know if you remember the Lismore floods, but there was this one picture of a McDonald's sign, which was water was always almost right up to it and people were sort of saying that mcdonald's sign is over two stories high yeah they're, like they're a two-story building is under the water here like you you can't really build higher than that you know you can't like just have two two stories worth of stilt yeah <laughs> but also the other problem is if you don't let people rebuild then those communities are destroyed like those are those are communities it's not just where do we put people well and then they they disperse. Yeah. And then they lose all those all those community ties, which is not good for people. Like I said earlier, there's a big push in New South Wales to not allow the state government to release land for building on in floodplains. Like they're like, look, at least don't build new places. Yeah, that'll be a clever idea. <sighs> yeah. So I guess like the final thing that I really have to talk about is everybody's favourite form of wildlife and greenery, uh, black mould. Yay! Yay! You ever lived in a place with mould? I currently have it. Uh, oh! In, because our bathroom vents aren't very good and I am I am fighting it back, uh, sort of managing it. This is kind of dumb. As a result of building Warhammer and building scenery, <laughs> I am better with like DIY now. I've yeah. like patched. Yeah. I've patched and painted a bunch of walls. I've I've had to change, mm. you know, washers and taps. And part of that is just, you know, owning my own home, being able to yeah. do that. Like, I am sadly going to have to crawl up into the scary vent and, you know, oh, no. plug in. You are the person who lives in the vent. Yeah. You're the vent man now. I am the vent man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been up there once before and uh, found it a uh, very claustrophobic. I struggled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, black mold is awful. Uh, yeah. smells bad. Not good for you. Yeah, um, this kind of brings me back to my my worst rental story, which was the house, the last house we lived in before we lived in Sydney, where some of the roof tiles came off. Cool. This resulted in a large hole developing in the ceiling of the main bedroom, through which litres and litres of water would pour every time it rained. That's right. And this was in Sydney, where it rains all the fucking time. (sighs) And in Sydney, when it rains, it often rains for a few days in a row. Like, you'll get really heavy rain for days and days. And uh, one time, I think, we had this big 100-litre bucket that we used to use to deal with this. And one time, it filled over two days. Fuck. Yeah, we spent nearly three years hassling the landlord to fix it. (sighs) Like, that's how long. And this is, again, with, with husband of the podcast using lawyer voice. Yeah, which they respond, they only respond to yeah. shit when it's like a danger to their yeah. to their precious assets. It still didn't work, partly because like the landlord wanted it to f- wanted to fix it himself and his family were like, no, you are not allowed to go up on a roof, you're old. And eventually he got someone in to fix it. And um, when we moved out, the real estate agent tried to ping us for water damage. Ugh. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, that was um that was my favorite. But like it caused so much mold everywhere. And like over the last uh, La Nina cycle, 
in Sydney. I have so many friends who have lost large amounts of possessions to mould. During during the 2022 Brisbane floods last year, mm. we had we had a little bit of leakage uh, yeah. near the end in our ceiling after that whole week. Just when I had thought like, okay, fuck, we're sort of doing okay. I'm mm. on, I'm on top of like the drains. We still have a smear that fortunately all I need to do is just sand it back and repaint it because mm. uh, we had someone look at the roof and did a similar thing to like what you've experienced of just yeah. like, oh, there's some weird shit up there. But like, <laughs> no, it's not leaking. It's just the rain was like so much yeah. that like even a well-built roof is going to like have some leakage. Yeah, we had just shit in our house that wasn't in an area where it was wet at all that, mm. you know, just like random shoes in a dry area started to get moldy. Yeah, it because like the the air becomes wet. Yeah. I lost so many beloved books over the years when I was living in Sydney to mold. Yeah. And and clothes and things like that. I had a friend who is a serious crafter and she had to throw out so much of her fabric stash. Oh fuck. Yeah, like like that she'd spent years collecting a paper and art store that i used to go to in sydney in newtown all the time had to close because so much of it of its inventory just got lost to mold christ yeah i hate having cool things yeah yeah oh okay so this is a thing that i, I wanted to ask you because this is a thing that i kind of noticed when i moved to canberra which is a cultural difference between hot wet cities and cold cities and this is, this is my personal take on this, which is that years of living in Sydney taught me that you keep the toilet and bathroom door open at all times for ventilation. Mm -hmm. Like the windows as well, but you want to try and ventilate that as much as possible yeah. um, because otherwise mould builds up. But moving to Canberra, everybody close, closes the toilet door. It's closed at all times because like that tends to be a room that's not as insulated and heat will leave. Oh, all right. Yeah, and because I was like, "What's the deal here?" And like, and I noticed that my friends who grew up in Canberra but lived in Sydney were really intense about closing their toilet door. Huh. Not like obviously when you're using it, you close it. Like we're not animals, but <laughs> I mean when it's unoccupied, like it's not. No, sorry, just want to be clear on that. It's not like everyone in Sydney just pisses with the door open no no um, that, that annoys yeah. the shit out of me when you go to like a party and the toilet door is closed it's like yeah that means someone is in there and you don't yes. want to bother them by knocking so yeah. you leave it open yeah and it means like if someone is like you know gone off the top rope <laughs> on that toilet it means at least the scent will dissipate a bit quicker we we leave toilet doors open here if they're not in use yeah, exactly. And and like that's very much a Sydney thing as well. And I think it comes down to ventilation and then also it becomes a oh, and now you know that someone's not in there. Yeah, and then sort of everyone in Canberra keeps their their toilet doors closed. And so I I have to kind of remember that <laughs> as a like like not just a oh, the toilet is not necessarily occupied, but also I will be considered rude if I go to someone's house and leave the toilet door open. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, but I I think it's a ventilation thing because in those hot wet cities yeah. Like, you absolutely have to. Well, but, well, yeah. Like mm. like I said, I've got black mould in at least one of my bathrooms. And because it is getting colder now, I have to do this, like, horrifying, <laughs> you know, Sophie's Choice thing of, like, do I open the window, which is going to let cold air in, but, like, help me stay on top of, you know, new mould forming? Yeah. Or do I keep it shut to try and keep my 
house shut and it, it's the same when i like give my kids baths at night because it's like starting to get cold it's like i want to keep as much heat in the house as possible but like mm. so i've had to just start you know we've just been leaving the bathrooms open just so mm. like the moisture is not all trapped in there yeah because like the the mold is such a massive hassle to get rid of once it's there like like we said you cannot fix it by painting over it <laughs> shit doesn't work Sorry, landlords. When it was flooding last year, because like you said, like we started to notice mold on stuff that, you know, was not exposed to moisture. Like our aircon system has a dry mode mm. where it's like there's like cool heating and then dry mode, which we like Ooh. basically never used. Yeah. Because like you wouldn't, you would theoretically put it on when no one's home. Yeah. Because that wouldn't be pleasant. But yeah. I was just like, fuck it, I'm running this for a bit because I'm concerned about everything being wet or just like having to go outside for a bit and just like the floor getting wet and having to dry our laundry. Like, God help you if you didn't have a dryer during that period. Yeah, I lived, like most of the places I lived in Sydney, we didn't have a dryer. And trying to dry your clothes even inside <laughs> in like those those wet years was, oh, God, that's so depressing. Um. <laughs> Do not buy a heat gun from Bunnings and use it to dry your clothes, which I no. have done before. It is a oh bad idea. I'm a moron. Don't do that. Oh, my God. That's, like, surely just a, like, fan heater would be a better option. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be careful with that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, they don't. So that's that's really all I've got. No, it's a... Uh, all I've no. got. There was a lot of it. No, there was. we were very comprehensive. Thank mm. you for, like, all the research you got into this. And I saw you the distress it was causing you over on uh, Osgoff Twitter. Yeah. I was just like, oh, God, why are we doing this to ourselves? Like, we could be better. We could yeah. be so much better. Jesus you Christ. Know? Like, <laughs> we could, we got to, like, and the thing is that there is very slow change happening. Um, like, there are some places that are doing things like they're, they're outlawing dark colored roofs because yeah. um because that that's just a fucking heat sink. Mhm. Mm there are places where they are mandating a minimum amount of trees in new suburbs. I say places, I mean Canberra. I don't know about other places, but um yeah, any of the new suburb builds that are happening, there's like a minimum amount of trees that have to be planted and it's quite a lot. Um to to keep heat down carbon sinks. Carbon yeah things like that. One day when we do an episode on Canberra, I will address a lot of this really carefully cuz like I will excitedly tell tell you all about our stormwater system. Oh, all right. Okay. As in every everyone who visits gets a little tour of our local stormwater system and I'm not even kidding. But uh regulations are changing and and like property developers fight all of this tooth and nail. There's now like the ACT is bringing in minimum standards for energy efficiency of rental properties and things like that, um, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, like there's there's things we could do. There's ways of building houses that, that are better and more energy efficient. There's this cool thing. So do you know what brick veneer is? Uh, oh, I've heard the word before. So it's like there's... So brick veneer is a, a way of building houses where you've got like the outside of it is brick and then there's a timber frame and then there's um, the inside is like fibro or gyprock. No, uh, that's what our house is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what most houses are these days. Now, there's there's a version of this called reverse brick veneer where the inside is brick and then you've got the timber frame and then you've got um, the fibro on the outside, the drywall, and that is much more energy efficient. 
Yeah. Because the the brick on the inside is like easier to thermally regulate. And then it basically has like an extra bit of insulation on the outside. So like the fibro gets the sun or the cold. And then that sort of, there's a bit in, in the middle that you can insulate. Yeah. And then you've got the brick. So it doesn't like hold the heat or cold. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. Be right back. Making my house uh, slightly bigger <laughs> on the inside. Yeah, like just just turn just turn it inside out. <laughs> My house is also brick veneer, but yeah, like like sort of learning these little things that you can do that we don't do because people don't like them aesthetically. We make very poor choices in this country. That's really the theme of this podcast, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, I got a new way to sum it up to people when I tell them yeah. I have a podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> At least in my suburb, which is full of, like, very nimby older people, like, mm. probably a few landlords, I, solar is at least common because at least yeah. you can appeal to, hey, you're going to save money. Yeah. We're in a process. I guess where I'm going to leave it for me yeah. is we are at a place now where this is probably, like, this probably isn't going to be our permanent home because we mm. need, uh, my wife and I both need an office and both yeah. my kids need bedrooms. We have kind yeah. of outgrown this place even though it's a really nice spot mm. and we'd like say love to build a second story, but building, mm. you know, oh, doing God. any kind of renovation yeah. is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd survive that. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of need a bigger place. And it's, it's kind of telling, I was thinking about how, when I was a kid, like, you know, you imagine because back when we were kids, it was like, yeah, you're going to own a house one day. It's like, I'm going to have the, the fucking candy wall that like notch the Minecraft non-creator. <laughs> had yeah. you know you have stupid mm -hmm. silly shit i'm gonna have a pool with a grotto and fountains and shit <laughs> now yeah now we're looking at the new house and it's just like okay yeah let's get a place where like my dream is like i want a floor which is like where the kitchen is where our offices are where my wife and i's bedroom is and downstairs is just like escape from new york yeah when my kids are teenagers they can have their grot mates over and i don't have to be near them yeah and they don't have to be near my all my weird old man shit. You know that there'll be at least one weird teen friend who comes and looks at you doing all your retro miniatures. Oh look, man! Like that, my kid already likes painting. Like, you you've seen you you're on. That's my... true. I have. It's really cute. Yeah, I know. You you watch my mm. daughter paint a pink shark. Yeah. yeah. Just burn through my my expensive Vallejo warlord pink. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's old anyway. I need yeah. to get some more. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah. So yeah, there's every chance that it won't work, and they'll be like, no, no, we want to, we want to play with all your cool shit and all your cameras and instruments and. Not when they're teens. Oh, Don't worry. No, no, maybe the guitars. I may have maybe to be like, okay, true. okay, maybe Dad's nice Fender, which is a pain in the ass to tune because it's got a Floyd <laughs> Rose bridge. Sorry, getting off topic. Yeah, anyway, you know, it's the the thing I want now in 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 our next house is mm. uh yeah insulation acoustic installation insulation. Yep. Uh, solar, so we can just like run the aircon, run our dryer, fucking nonstop. So good! It's so good, man! It's so good. We had we had a couple of months of negative energy bills. Oh man! Like we were all so stoked, just like five grown adults having a party about the energy bill, which Fuck is yeah. like a new love. And like a lot of these people are people I like. One of my housemates I've known for 20 years, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, we used to party about very different things. <laughs> oh. Th this was your mate who you did like, yeah. you know, Gallipoli mm. drinking sessions with. No, 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 no. Um, but like, you know, we've, we've, we've attended some hectic parties in our lives. 
um and oh yeah just now the the idea of a, a negative energy bill is the most exciting thing you could possibly imagine yeah my i am actually like low-key excited <laughs> and i i think that i think you're correct in that people's housing dreams are moving away from necessarily the aesthetic which like and i remember when my parents were renovating homes when i was a child and when i was a teenager and they were renovating them for like other than you know dad and i sticking all the insulation in a lot of those renovations were about building a nice new bathroom or redoing the kitchen or things like that they were aesthetic changes and when i talk to my friends about their goals for homes whether it's home ownership whether they already own or if they're hoping to one day this and again this might be self-selection because i'm friends with a big bunch of hippie anarchist nerds but um <laughs> but the things they talk about are like i want space to have chickens i want a vegetable patch i want to be able to install water tanks i'd love a solar system like the it's it's more it's more kind of framed around like sustainability yeah. like obviously you know when you're renting it's still also like god i'd just love to be able to paint my bedroom wall a color i would like yeah. Um, which is really huge. And the first time you do that, it feels amazing. Yeah, the sort of the real goals for a home are not just how do I want it to look, but more importantly, how will it function? Yeah. Like, and how will it, how will it hold up against the ravages of climate change? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, where <laughs> am I going to store all these minis? I need more shelves now. <laughs> <laughs> Our garage is purely storage space. <laughs> Yeah, it does have an increasing number of e-bikes living in it. Um, well, Jules, thank you so much for, like, uh, mm -hmm. I'm really uh, stoked by, like, all the work you've brought to this episode. I'm, I'm glad we ended on, like, an exciting note of, like, mm. oh, okay, we can we can build cool things. Yeah. I don't know, hopefully the situation is starting to settle around housing, and I don't know, maybe people are, like, pissed off enough. I want us to start riding, like, the French. Look, there's some really... Hey, in a bunch of major cities, there's some really good, like, um, housing protests going on. Uh, there's a bunch of people calling for rent freezes, which is very yeah. sexy. Oh, I love <laughs> rent freeze. Um, rent freezes, things like that, uh, calling on the Reserve Bank to stop pu putting up interest rates. Because, like, honestly, a lot of landlords are using that as an excuse to put rents up no matter what. Because some people are like, oh, I need to put the rent up, otherwise I'll make a loss. And then everybody else goes, oh, the rents are rising. I can put the rent up in this area. Um, like, absolutely get involved in um, with organizations that are fighting for better housing policy. Um, there's some really interesting stuff coming up where people are talking about the current government's housing futures fund as being really insufficient and talking about like other options and and stuff that could be done instead like putting real pressure on the government to properly build like a decent amount of housing supply over the next couple of decades um the spoiler alert is that if we dumped the stage three ca tax cuts and decided not to buy some expensive war submarines we could af afford all of this. Yeah, we um, could. We could house the the unfortunate amount of like unhoused people I see when I whenever I go into the city and you know yeah. walk through Brisbane's central business di district. Uh, yeah, we could. Uh, we could make it mm. easier and more affordable to to insulate your home if you own one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff we can do, and I am get 
get politically active, everybody. Yeah. That's I know that's my answer for everything, but get out in the streets when you see it. Um, we can, like, by yelling at the government hard enough, we can fix this, but we do actually have to do the yelling. Yeah, yeah. Don't be passive they, anymore. Like, gov governments don't do anything. Like, uh, the whole baby boomer generation got absolutely too comfortable with the idea that all you needed to do was vote because they voted in... Um, in Gough Whitlam one time and he fixed everything <laughs> and put stuff in place that like just sorted them out like for the rest of their lives so they, were the ben they benefited yeah. from incredibly generous like social policies that allowed them to become like in some cases like petty business tyrants and landlords yeah, yeah. Uh, and they they totally absolutely reaped the benefits when that was gutted thoroughly thoroughly pulled the ladder up behind them yeah not to cite the gavel video that like has thoroughly upset a lot of american leftists you know in a in a mm. good way where they talk about like hey in austria like basically no one rents everyone lives in like you know these almost purpose-built buildings that have like mm. little courtyard areas and community areas and yeah you know some of them have fucking bars that are like kind of the public house for the building like yeah. you know it's like this is this is all within reach yeah like you can have beautiful beautiful like um medium and high density housing um there's this bolivian architect called freddie mamani who does these gorgeous apartment blocks that like this i think it's called like neo-mayan um, oh. style which they're gorgeously colorful but they've also got like they've got like big shared social spaces that you can use and like little shop fronts down the bottom that residents can like run little businesses out of if they need to and just incredible use of space and they're like aesthetically they are beautiful they're so colorful and they're they're exciting like it and i mean just to go back to being a ridiculous socialist a lot of soviet era medium and high density housing was built pretty well for purpose like it had mm. social spaces it had like lots of green space around it there's no reason you can't do those things you can put medium to high density housing along um, public transport corridors and like reduce the need for cars we we see it we see it in other cities around the world we know it can be done we're just selfish babies who think that everybody deserves to live on a quarter acre block yeah yeah <sighs> and it's just not gonna happen well thanks everyone uh a lot to think about there uh yeah once again i'm really stoked this episode ended on like <laughs> a mostly happy note yeah we can fix things we just need to yell at the government yeah uh go tell your landlord to go fuck himself uh you mm -hmm. have more you have more power than you understand join your tenants union yep do that as well if you don't have one start one there's, there's plenty of YouTubes and TikToks that can tell you, like, the right lingo to, like, get these people fucking working. Make their job hard enough that they are, unfortunately, have to sell and get money for their property. Oh, oh no. Uh, yeah, we can, we can make it happen. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.